Welcome to Season 7, Episode 2 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Misty Trevino, and I'm with my colleagues Nancy Watson and Katherine Laster. This season, our theme and big idea is learn something new. Each week, we'll bring a single idea, instructional practice, or tool to the table. We'll have a brief conversation about the strategy, and we'll provide additional curated resources in the show notes that will supplement the idea. These episodes will focus on pedagogy and will be designed to provide a brief introduction to a concept. We'll intend for the content to be useful to teachers of all grade levels, digital coaches, and anyone who creates professional learning experiences. So let's jump into today's topic. Nancy, take it away. Well, thanks, Misty. Um, My kind of things that I want to talk about in this series are the different legs or pillars of universal design for learning. So that is a concept that I know a little bit about and I'm trying to learn more and I'm hoping that by sharing my understanding on this podcast that will help me solidify what I think I know about it. So like Catherine did last week, I'd like to kind of ask you to think about your own understanding. So if we were in person with our audience, I would ask everybody to do a fist to five and kind of rate how the, how they understand universal design for learning with a fist being, I've never heard of that before, and a five being, Nancy, please shut up and let me just uh, take over from here. So how do you guys feel about universal design for learning? Is that a topic that you're familiar with? I would say I'm at a one and only because I'm part of the ISTE certification process and we learned a little bit about universal design for learning. And at first hearing the term, I thought I have never heard of this before. And when we started to learn about it, I thought to myself, I did this all the time in the classroom. So I think that I have a good understanding of the concept of, of universal design for learning, but I do not know the the exact framework and terminology that goes along with it. Okay, Misty, I completely agree. I am probably a one, um, and the deepest dive I've ever had was at our ISTE certification training. I know a lot about differentiated instruction and did a lot of study of that, and I see a lot of parallels, but the terminology and the framework, I know... uh, yeah, I'm a one or a .5. <laughs> Finally, something I know more about than you, Catherine. <laughs> um, well, universal design for learning is just a framework to improve and optimize teaching and learning for people. And it's all based on research and scientific insights about how people learn. So I do think that a lot of universal design is just good teaching, like you said, like you try to make um, opportunities for all students to be successful. But it's basically where you consider the needs of the broadest possible range of users from the very beginning. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of what you said last week, Catherine, about having a low floor but a high ceiling. And it gives all learners the opportunity to participate and mm-hmm. learn. So we kind of talked a little bit about, I think after uh, we were done last week, we we talked off air about the parallels between the edu protocols and some of the principles of universal design for learning. Well, and they have in their final chapter in the book is all about how these meet UDL. So, Oh, great. Yes. I can't wait to read that. That yes. will help me for a session that I'm planning for this summer. But there are three main branches of UDL. And today I was going to try to explain the first one, which is engagement. 
This appeals to individuals' affective networks, and it's about the why of learning. It's about how people feel. So engagement is educators sparking excitement for learning and how they provide an appropriate degree of challenge, how they encourage learners' self-motivation and emotion regulation. Within every leg of UDL, there are three guidelines, and each guideline has several checkpoints. So this is really like kind of a wide and deep framework, and I'm really just touching on the, the high points. But the first guideline of engagement is recruiting interest, and that's just about sparking interest and curiosity. We all know that uh, people in general, kids, adults, whoever, that they are not going to be prone to learning if they're not interested or curious about the topic. So this one kind of relates to me to ISTE's Empowered Learner Standard. The checkpoints are about optimizing learner choice and autonomy and providing relevant and authentic experiences. They also talk about minimizing distractions and threats. So we don't normally think of a classroom as having threats, but for some some kids, maybe too much novelty or too much stimulation could be considered a threat. Kids who really like to learn on their own might consider having to work in a group all the time to be kind of a threat. So is that something that you guys have ever thought about as far as things about recruiting interest? Well, the idea that you said too much novelty, that, again, goes back to last week's episode with the edu protocols because you're doing the same thing over and over so the students know what to expect, what the rules are. Even if you are doing a pair thing, it will be a brief pair, and then you'll work individually. So right. I can see how that really addresses that component. Yeah, and yet there's enough novelty in the content of what's going on that that, that would appeal to You know, there's a base of familiarity, but then the content itself might be what is sparking their interest. Mm -hmm. So the second guideline under engagement is sustaining effort and persistence. We all know that sometimes kids, sometimes adults Mm -hmm. can be very interested in something right at first, but... We all live in sort of the attention economy these days. So we forget or we get sidetracked. So the checkpoints under sustaining effort and persistent uh, have to do with things like providing reminders uh, and calendars and just keeping deadlines in the forefront of students' mind. That's another um, way of keeping students engaged. Uh, Another piece would be fostering a collaborative community because, again, if you have a a community of learners where everyone is welcomed, it's assumed that there is something for everyone, a way for everyone to participate. That contributes to that feeling of collaborative community, and it's one of those emotional things about, you know, the affective networks. So what I'm going to jump in right now on this is that I'm thinking of Google Classroom And I'm thinking about our glassy creations with Tony Vincent because we get the reminders automatically in Google Classroom. Those notices and assignments appear on our calendar. So we get the email notifications. Plus, we're getting this collaborative community in the classroom with our discussion and our comments. So that's a great observation. And, you know, I don't know if Tony knows about UDL. I suspect that he does. But even if he doesn't, like Misty said, 
a lot of this is stuff that good teachers just sort of do mm-hmm. already, but they might not might not have a name to it, or they might not have the the specific words to go along with the the framework. The third guideline of engagement is about self regulation and helping students to set personal goals, develop coping strategies, uh, having them be more self aware of their own progress. My favorite way to do this as a teacher was to have one-on-one meetings with students. I think that was the best way to help them set those personal goals, to help them keep track of their goals, um, and really just have a conversation about what, you know, where they were and where they hope to be. So in my class, we did learning logs. And at the beginning of each unit, I would have a list of all of our objectives and the students were to set personal learning goals. This way they would say, here's where I am at the beginning of the lesson, again, fist to five. Mm -hmm. And then how much effort did I put in today's lesson? Where am I at the end of the lesson? And then set the goals like that. So that and that was something that was really on paper that I handed out. We mm-hmm. talked about at the beginning of each unit and at the beginning of each les- lesson. Get your papers out. Let's set your um, goals on your learning logs. So I've seen that happen in classrooms as well. Yeah, and I think that th- this is another area where technology can really help and these principles can also be no-tech principles too. So what we want to do is, you know, help students along the path to toward their own self-assessment and we all know that reflection is very important in learning and that's how we you know when we reflect on learning that's when we really know how much learning has taken place so all of the information about uh, universal design for learning comes from cast Um, if you go to cast.org Uh, you'll be able to learn about uh, the UDL framework. And you might start with just seeing where you are already doing these things in your classroom and where you could maybe start to uh, add in some of the additional um, suggestions that, that are provided in the Universal Design for Learning framework. So, Nancy, one thing that I really love about this is that I think in so many campuses or districts, one of the campus goals says engage your students. And what is this magic engage? What does that mean? What does that really look like? What are some tangible things that you can do about engaging? And so this framework provides some more specifics than just this kind of ambiguous engage um, kids yeah so and I like that too because sometimes engagement means that students are really actively participating and thinking about stuff but sometimes we mistake engagement for just compliance or you know that well they're sitting quietly at their desk so they must be engaged which we all know is not necessarily the case but yeah so I I'm hoping that Uh, As I learn more and as our participants, our listeners learn more, that these are some tips that can help in any classroom and can help all students to learn. Okay, well, thank you, Nancy, for sharing this idea. So I think we both, Misty and I, have a better understanding of the engagement factor of UDL, and I look forward to hearing your ideas about the other two components. 
Thanks for tuning in to Digital Learning Radio. To connect with us or to share the ways you're incorporating UDL to transform learning, reach out on Twitter at DigLearnRadio, and please consider sharing this episode with another educator. If you're a new listener, welcome. Don't miss our previous series called Step In, where our conversations focused around equity and education. When you learn something new, you can teach something new. So we hope you've learned something new today that you can turn around and teach someone else.